What's up, guys? Welcome back to the XU Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Widmer. This is episode 65 of the podcast. We're getting up there as far as episode numbers go. So got another awesome episode and conversation for you guys this week. Last week, I had Angry Baby on, and I love his music. Hope you were able to go check some of it out. He talked, obviously, about music production, balancing, working a job, while also, you know, being a rising musician in the electronic music scene. And this week, I have someone who has been in the music industry for over a decade. Chris Gertz Rombach joins me. Shout out to Connor Holloway for connecting us and, uh, you know, telling me that he would be a great guest for the podcast because I loved our conversation. Chris is the CMO at Omuse, which ultimately is a platform that helps musicians utilize Web3 tools. So everything from NFTs to AI and using that to assist with marketing and branding and maybe making bass lines and drum lines. And that's kind of what we get into is how AI is impacting the music industry and kind of where it will go, or at least where we think it will go. Um, Obviously it's early on with AI. You've seen some songs that have popped up. There's been some Drake songs that have been streamed over, you know, 10 million times, 100 million times. I'm not sure exactly the numbers, but turns out that it's all AI generated. So it's interesting. And we get into like the copywriting issues and again, how AI is going to be utilized as far as making music goes and kind of the arguments for being for AI and also being against it. And we also just talk about how electronic music is really at the forefront of NFTs of AI and why that is. So Chris had a ton of knowledge on this stuff. I obviously was a little elementary with it. Like so many people, I hear AI and I know that it's coming, but I want the music that I listen to to be made by the artist I listen to. But after some points he made, I definitely see how it can be super useful. And I think, again, moving forward, new artists, upcoming artists are gonna be able to use these tools to really cut out a lot of expenditures, a lot of time, a lot of effort that goes into marketing and branding and things like that. So really enjoyed my conversation with Chris. I think you guys will too. He, again, brought a ton of knowledge and I had a blast talking to him and learned a lot. So this is my conversation with Chris Gertz Rombach. I know you guys are going to dig it. So please enjoy the episode. Peace. All right, guys, welcome back to the XU podcast. This is episode 65. And today I am joined by someone in the world, the music world, who is well versed in a lot of things when it comes to the music industry. We're going to talk a little bit about AI. We're going to talk a little bit about Skrillex. Chris Gertz Rombach joins me on the podcast. Really good. Really happy to have you here, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Of course. So, we got connected through a friend, shout out to Connor Hallway. Um, but I'd love, I always kind of ask my guests, whether it's an artist, whether it's someone in the industry, whether it's just a fan, kind of your your background, whether it be your resume in the music industry, whether it be kind of your introduction to music, dance music, kind of uh, how you got into this world. Yeah, I've been a lover of music my whole life. Uh, you know, as early as I could remember, I remember my dad would like do barbecues. Uh, so actually it was born and raised in Brazil, grew up there. So, uh, that was kind of a big part of like our culture is just Sunday barbecues. And he'd put on queen, uh, and his like old school 80 stereo. Um, I just remember like dancing to it and vibing to it. And, 
you know, a few years later when I went to like middle school and eventually high school, I picked up a guitar and joined a band, uh, got into music production in college. Like I literally turned my dorm room into like a music studio and just had students come in, record. Um, and then I uh, jumped into the music industry professionally in 2010. Uh, I interned at Interscope Records and was there for about a year. Uh, at the time, the CEO, Jimmy Iovine, went and started uh, Beats by Dre headphones and uh, worked for them kind of in the early days, eventually through the Apple acquisition. And then I worked for the Grammys, the Recording Academy, uh, for a little less than a year. And after that, just kind of did my own thing uh, as a marketing consultant, but still worked with a lot of artists, a lot of musicians, kind of advised them on their like song release, their album marketing uh, you know, try to get them more listens on Spotify, kind of consulted them on like branding, how to position their music projects. Uh, and then now, most recently, I am CMO of a music tech startup called Omuse, where we essentially have a platform that helps musicians leveraging the latest like Web3 tech. So especially focused on like blockchain and AI, uh, just giving them tools to like help with their creative process, with their music release to kind of extract more value from the music projects. Uh, so it's really exciting. We're doing a lot of cool things. Um, and that's kind of a really quick TLDR of my music journey so far. I love it, man. And you've been doing this a while, like you said, 2010. So you have seen the music industry change a decent amount. You've basically been in it since the, like the boom of dance music in America. When you look at like early 2010, 2011, 2012, and kind of where it's come since then. Um, and you mentioned obviously what you do with Omuse and, and AI and kind of, you know, utilizing that to help artists and help music kind of become like get to people and how they can brand themselves. I think when people hear about AI and music in 2023, they, a lot of people are kind of immediately turned off because it's like, well, I want the music I listen to, to be done by a musician, but it sounds like you can utilize AI in ways that isn't having it make you a song and certainly you can have that happen but in what ways are you seeing ai being implemented um not necessarily in like creating a baseline or writing an entire song in the style of kygo um but as far as like marketing goes and branding and, and helping artists out yeah i think people are still trying to really figure out what ai is and like how it works and i think they just think it's like this ominous machine that just like spits out music and it can be a hit and it's just going to replace musicians. But I think once people really understand what the tech is, um, and there's a lot of like varieties of the tech as well, I think the most popular is like the machine learning. So just to break it down, it's essentially a machine that you <laughs> teach. Uh, so you just feed it a lot of different information. Um, in the most basic form, you know, let's just, just say starting off, like you want to teach it like what a circle is, you know, so you feed it a lot of images of a circle, you try and describe it. Um, sometimes it'll get it wrong. And you're like, no, 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 it's this is what the circle looks like. And you, you know, and you kind of just go from there and eventually gets to the point like we see with ChatGPT. I don't know if you're familiar or like the viewers mm -hmm. or listeners are familiar, but it's this like, you know, crazy tool that you can kind of type in almost anything that you're looking for, and it'll give you all the information. Um, but really with AI, it's just this machine that you're just feeding it information. And so I think um, right now, there's just been a lot of, I would say more like negative press around AI and music, because people are essentially taking, like, let's say Drake's voice, and then recreating like a whole song in the style of Drake. Mm 
and thinking, well, that's going to replace like Drake or anyone can kind of like take his IP or his music and like create something new. Um, and that, yes, that can be the case, but we're seeing already that like, you know, legally and with copyright, you just can't go do that. Like Spotify is, you know, shutting a lot of that down. Um, but I think once people really understand the tech and like how cool it is and, um, what it can really do to benefit musicians, um, it'll start to like level out. There's always going to be bad actors, um, with any new tech, you know, we saw this in the early two thousands, like internet boom. Uh, yeah. you know, we see this now there's like the dark web. So I think it's just a matter of like really learning what it is and using it to its benefit. So um, to speak more specifically about, you know, some of the benefits like we're doing at OMUSE already, for example, um, you know, we're creating a tool that essentially helps musicians with their creative process. So, you know, we've I talk to musicians all day, every day, uh, which is actually like probably my favorite part of the job is just being like, what is like, you know, what do you need help with? Like, what do you get stuck with? And we're really finding that a lot of artists get in like creative ruts, right? I mean, they're creators by nature. Um, so I think one way is really thinking how to build like systems. Cause right now, you know, a lot of the major artists are still kind of beholden to the record labels, which like do their marketing or like put a lot of energy and budget behind getting them out there. I think with AI, it can help like automate a lot of those systems um, or just like sets up, you know, marketing either plan for you uh not that it's like creating like content just for you but it can be like hey like you know andrew we know you are this type of artist you like this type of music why don't you put out like some content around this you know and here's some suggestions and then you you know tailor it to your own way so it kind of gets you to like the maybe 50 or like 80 percent you know mark of like trying to get stuff out there um so essentially taking care of a lot of the stuff that maybe musicians don't want to or like they kind of push off to other people or like pay yeah. a lot of other people for so it can help them like really focus on the music and what they're good at uh another way which is the tool that we're building now with ai is really focus on the, the music side of ai to like help musicians so i think m musicians create music in all kinds of ways like er everyone's different like some people have a like theme in their head and they just you know need to find the right like chord progressions to like put to that where it like kind of really speaks to that theme and the emotions associated with it or maybe there's like a certain like rhythm like they want something that's a little bit like faster and more intense whatever it is you know starts with that nugget and i think the ai you can kind of type in and say hey like i have this idea or like i have a rhythm like can you give me just like you know, four or five like bass lines or like chord progressions that fit with this, this theme. And you can kind of train it to like help you along the way to get what you're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. And it can just be a small piece of like the song creation. Uh, yeah. Honestly, some people can like maybe create whole songs like using it. But I think it's really up to like the artist and what they want to do. Um, and so I also think there's like so many other ways that we haven't even tapped into yet that we can leverage the tech um to really help artists again with their creative process get out of that rut maybe find like little nuggets that they haven't thought about pieces of inspiration uh so i think we're just scratching the surface now yeah. um so it's kind of exciting to see you know where things are going to go yeah it's cool to kind of just hear you speak about like really the endless possibilities of how this could be applied to all aspects of music and i, I speak with a lot of artists here who are 
trying to kind of make it as artists and they're trying to get their branding and they're trying to get out there and they have to deal with putting up TikToks. They have to deal with figuring out content ideas for their Instagram all while trying to make music and have a sound that's original and their own identity. Um, so it is very cool to kind of hear how it can be, be used in that sense. I think when I, I, whenever there's new technology, like you said, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be people who are against it. People who just write it off as stupid or, you know, not real or not, you know, cheat codes or whatever it might be. Um, I think for a lot of people, the argument that like, if they're going to use AI to help them with content ideas, or maybe even figure out lyrics, like, that's all good. But obviously in the sense of like the Drake song that came out, I think that's a weird debate for like humans to try to kind of tackle. Like, is this art? Is this, you know, is this okay? Is this something that I should be buying into? Um, so I understand kind of both sides of it. And I understand why there's some pushback on that end. But when it comes to dance music and electronic music, I think in a lot of ways you see AI and have seen AI kind of, you know, the idea kind of around it be in the genre for a while. I mean, you look at splice samples and I'm sure a lot of people who just, you know, casually listen to dance music, they don't know that a lot of these vocals they're hearing or maybe drum lines or bass lines are already kind of just stock samples that they took from splice. So can you talk about why dance music, not only with AI is kind of at the forefront, but I also feel like with NFTs, uh, you know, and with crypto, I feel like just following dance, maybe it's because I follow dance music closely on Twitter, but why the dance music community has seemed to kind of taken on head on. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to speak to really quick, I mean, what you previously said, we've seen this throughout history already, but we kind of don't even know it. I, I just saw a clip recently of Gorillaz doing an interview with Zane Lowe and their, you know, big hit Clint Eastwood. That kind of um, like synth, piano in the beginning dun 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 yep. it's literally taken from this like little toy machine piano thing he literally busted out and just played the first like sample track and that's what it is and they took that and so and this was like you know in the late 90s or 2000s people have been doing that forever hip-hop has been doing that forever too with sampling so i think this is just like the latest newer version of that you know it's it's just kind of evolved in a different way and it's like i guess in a lot of senses you know easier but at the end of the day i think like humans with music like will really feel like if it's coming like where it's coming from if it's that like deep place of like creation and authenticity um or if it's just kind of like generated by a robot and maybe it's like a little bit of both but um, but in a lot of ways, like I think a lot of people don't realize like this has been happening for like decades already. So um, so, you know, you can blame the tech, but it's just kind of in interesting, uh, you know, thing that I've seen um, in terms of like NFTs and, you know, a lot of the other Web3 tech, I think in the EDM community, especially because a lot of people on EDM, um, especially, you know, these days now. Uh, they're digital natives, you know, they're on their laptops. Uh, they know how to navigate like the digital sphere in terms of like, you know, DAWs, their digital audio workstations, um, like sampling, drag and dropping files, like distorting sounds in certain ways, using tech. Uh, they're usually, usually from what I've seen kind of more like forward thinking 
um, and more like adaptable to what's come out versus kind of the traditional, you know, going in the studio analog, you know, plugging things in, um, doing it kind of, you know, yeah, the more traditional way. So I think there's that advantage for the EDM community because they are just digital natives and mm -hmm. they're always kind of looking for like that next thing. Um, and yeah, we've already seen a lot of like DJs. Odessa had like a huge NFT drop in 2021 with the Japanese dad. Uh, you know, Blau uh, did, I think, over 10 million for his yep. NFT Blau album. was drop. at the forefront of it, right? He's yeah, he, yeah, he's really leading the charge. Um, and so I think, you know, people see that and it's like, uh, well, naturally, people who follow like those type of artists, you know, are familiar with the music and they kind of follow suit. And I think because of the nature of how the music is created and because of just like that community aspect, they usually kind of seem to be the first adopters. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I think also just by nature, what the music is, you know, it's, it's electronic. It's, it's not again, using kind of uh, those traditional like instruments. Um, yeah. This is like the new instrument, you know, for them. So uh, I think the hip hop community is now kind of, in a similar wavelength, you know, we saw this with like Nas for Royal.io. Um, and, you know, they had a huge kind of drop, you know, with him as well in the NFT world. And I think also uh, with remixing, I mean, traditionally DJs in, you know, uh, artists in the EDM community, they'll take, again, a lot of songs, like remix it in their own ways. And uh, with NFTs, because it's essentially like a ledger that is irrefutable that you can track the history of copyright and songs. I think this could be a really great thing for DJs because if they're, you know, creating something original and like there's just like infinite remixes of it, it'll be locked in the blockchain. And not only can you collect the royalties properly without middlemen, but you'll know exactly who's using it. You'll know how it's used um, and you'll get the proper credit for it. So yeah. I think that's a really awesome thing because right now, uh, still a lot of artists are kind of beholden to record labels or different types of middlemen. And there's not a lot of transparency in terms of like royalty structure and how people actually get compensated. So I think um, it's a little bit more simpler also, I think with within the EDM community, because there's usually like one or maybe two DJs, they own the master, they own the publishing rights. You know, it's not like a band, you have to split it five ways. There's like five songwriters in the room. There's like, you know, three sound en engineers, you try and figure out the splits. It gets really confusing. I have a lot of friends in the publishing space and it's just, they say it's constantly a nightmare. So I think it's a little bit more streamlined typically uh, within the EDM community as well. So I think because of all those things, there's kind of an advantage there uh, for them and, and that community. Yeah, I think there's always so many, with any new technology, like so many advantages to it. People just like to kind of immediately focus on negatives of it and things they're afraid of and the unknown um and it's, it's interesting it's, it's part of a it's part of press too i think like like negative you know so i'm in marketing so i like i know this like uh negative headlines or you know these clickbaity uh they get more clicks they help advertisers more they get, generate more revenue that's kind of an incentive behind that but obviously that's not always necessarily the truth so i think again with any new tech like a lot of media companies and people like to push for that because they know it'll get the clicks but um eventually people i think will like once they use it for themselves and really think for themselves and like try it and understand what it is fundamentally they'll realize that there's a lot of good that can come from it too yeah i i completely agree and and 
with all I'm I'm in the seat of I think it's inevitable that AI is going to play a big part in not just music, but in all industries. Um, and I do think I, I think it's normal for me, like from my point of view, having that outlook, but also, you know, wanting the integrity of the music I listen to, to kind of still be there. And I think that's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. So what do you think it's going to take for people to, understand understand it a little bit more is it going to take someone like a dead mouse coming out and saying hey this is my new song that was i used ai to make or because i think what a lot of people are are concerned about is artists just using ai but kind of saying that they're making it and like having like kind of like a blurred line and obviously in some cases it's probably going to be a little more difficult to like say where that line is but where do you kind of see this heading as far as the music industry goes and how it artists are going to either lean into it or push back against it. Yeah, I think it's still pretty early. So it's, um, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and can say exactly what's going to happen, but my sense is that we're kind of moving, going to start moving in a place where AI um, is growing so rapidly, not just within music, but within things like social media where, you know, you see like deep fakes and like, you know, a lot of kind of marketing business gurus saying like, oh, you eventually don't have to like create content anymore. You can kind of like do a face scan and then the AI will just create these pieces of content that are so optimized for your audience that you don't even need to do anything. Um, but I think what's happening, especially with like checkmark verification and things like that on Instagram is there's going to be tech also that really kind of highlights who the humans are and who the robots are, which is like kind of crazy to think about, but it's, I think we're moving now from that. So just continuing with that example, like the, the blue check mark to go away from like kind of a status symbol type thing where it's like more of like a, Hey, you know, I'm Chris Gerst, you're, you're Andrew Woodmer, like, yeah. You know. Um, and that will kind of be a step in, you know, I think a larger trajectory to really establishing like, the AI from the human. Um, that's a very kind of like simple example. I think there's going to be a lot more kind of complex like tech and structures in place, especially legally to implement those type of things. But I think that's something that I feel like is really going to happen sooner than later. Um, and in terms of just like music being created, you know, through AI, I don't know. Um, I think I'll reiterate what I said before. At the end of the day, I think people are going to be able to like really feel if the music, you know, is what it is. And honestly, this might not be something people love to hear, but to me at the end of the day, I think what resonates with you ultimately at the end of the day, music is subjective. Like if it's built by like an AI and robot and you're like really feeling it and it changes like your outlook on something or inspires you, um that's that's kind of a net positive no i mean um so i i think there's like a lot of sides to look at this um again yeah. i think there's gonna be some bad not bad actors but people are gonna like try and take advantage of it make a quick buck but i think the that intention of them doing that like will catch up to them so um this is kind of a whole nother like discussion but i you know i'm a big believer in kind of like you know, karma and like kind of what you put in there will like come back to you. So I think there's going to be more of a realization of element of that 
um, where if there's people really trying to take advantage of it, people will find out. And I think um, along those lines, transparency is going to be a much bigger thing, um, you know, with tech as well. And as the tech emerges, just to like really uncover what people are like trying to do deep down. So I think once we have a lot more of those parameters in place, it will help kind of weed out the people who are like really trying to take advantage um, of the tech in the, you know, not so good way. And then, um, you know, really support the people who are maybe just leveraging it, um, you know, like we're doing at Omuse to like just help with their journey of like creating, you know, the music or like getting them out of like the rut um, or just helping them with like certain pieces uh, or taking care of some, you know, automating some of the stuff that, you know, typically they would pay like hundreds of thousands you know, to label or to someone else to do, yeah. um, which is kind of maybe like tedious tasks um, so they can focus on their music and do, you know, what they do best. So, um, yeah, again, a lot of possibilities, a lot of kind of directions this can go. I think it all depends on us, you know, as a larger community, as, you know, different communities within genres and, you know, producers and engineers and musicians, session musicians to, it's really like kind of band together and figure out how to tackle, you know, a lot of these things um, and just keep each other accountable, you know? And, yeah. um, and I, I, I'm hopeful that it'll be, uh, you know, a net positive in the future, but we'll see. Yeah, we will see. And I, I think it's interesting just to think of like, you know, there's still some people who say that, you know, electronic music isn't real music because people just press play or they're not using real instruments, which is a tired uh, argument in 2023. But back when it kind of first came on the scene, I I could understand why people were hesitant to dance music and electronic music because they're not up there playing a guitar solo. And obviously it has evolved to being what it is today. And I think you mentioned something earlier about how, you know, yes, there will be some people trying to make a quick buck, people taking shortcuts, but with new tech, like as we kind of discover the capabilities of AI, we also discover the capabilities of humans and vice versa. And with new technology, we will find artists who utilize it at the best and those ones will rise to the top. And, um, you know, I think that's an interesting thing to track as well too. And that's why I mentioned earlier, like all of a sudden you see, you know, Dead Mouse is one of my favorite producers or someone like Skrillex or Swedish House Mafia or Blau. And these guys start to kind of utilize this in a way because they want to push their artistic boundaries and what they're capable of. Um, or maybe new names come up and, you know, I'm sure it gets pushed back at first, you know, just like a lot of technology, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how some artists do kind of cross over. Yeah, I think one thing that's really exciting for me also is people who are likely like very talented, either musically or in storytelling or the ability to kind of like leverage music to get a message across like for good or to like, you know, inspire or to have people think um, that don't aren't necessarily great at like, um, you know, an inst- actually, I, maybe I'll use myself as an example. I, I can't sing for shit like I can't. You know, uh, I can play like guitar kind of, but um, I think like, you know, some of this newer tech, especially with AI will help those like people who are like really musicians deep down or have like a creative spark who are talented, who maybe didn't have like the courage before to kind of get out there and like, you know, put the you know time into like make the music um, or, or like really learn the instrument um, and find ways to 
kind of like speed up that process of like learning or like creating like the music to get the message out there. And I don't think that's like a terrible thing. I think it's going to open up a lot of doors. Um, even just off the top of my head really quick, like Lil Nas X, for example, like he was, you know, this like, uh, you know, kid doing like memes online and he, you know, had a, you know, lot to say, I think like musically and he kind of created, you know, Old Town Road, like for fun, sort of. And but there was like something there where he like knew melodies, he knew kind of like the right way to put things together. And he did it in a genre that like typically isn't associated with like, you know, African-Americans and kind of created this whole like thing. And um, and I think a lot of, you know, again, AI and and tech will help kind of, you know, people who are really like unknown, maybe uncover something within them uh that they can give to the world that really like moves people and i think that's like really interesting um so i'm curious to see kind of what that looks like and i think it's going to open up a lot of doors uh, especially for a lot of like young artists um yeah who yeah again maybe didn't have the courage before to to be able to do you know music to that level yeah and i mean there's so many like electronic artists who are my literally my favorite artists and they're incredible and i love their their music connects with me but you do some like backstory on them and none of them play instruments. And it's like, how, how is this person who doesn't play a piano, doesn't play a guitar? You know, I don't think Avicii was like well-versed in any instruments. He played a little guitar and, and piano, but like, you know, the, the technology of, of fruit loops and being able to kind of dive into something like that allowed him to do what he did. So um, yeah, new technologies, obviously I think it scares a lot of people and, and it could be unsettling, um, understandably so, but I think, like you said, I think there's more positives when you kind of zoom out, uh, the negatives that people like to focus on. So yeah. excited to kind of track it. Um, I do want to give you, um, some, some time to talk about Skrillex. Cause I know you're a big <laughs> Skrillex fan. Um, yeah. and I am also a big Skrillex fan. I saw him for the first time at uh Madison square garden with Fred again and Fortet a couple months back. Yes. Nice. Which was amazing and it kind of you know it kind of introduced me to the world of skrillex and i was never a big skrillex fan just in the sense of like it wasn't really what i was drawn to but for you as someone who's been following him for a while kind of seeing his trajectory as an artist and now seeing him really back at the forefront of dance music after a long hiatus or or break kind of what you love about skrillex and and why you're a big fan yeah, I in high school I was really into emo music, and mm-hmm. in some ways still kind of am. Um, so I actually really, uh, there's a band called From First to Last, and I think he was like 16 at the time, but he was he was a frontman of the band. Uh, actually, they formed before him, but he reached out, I believe, reached out to them on MySpace. If <laughs> if anyone listening kind of remembers MySpace, <laughs> and like hit them up and like met with the band, and they realized he'd be you know better frontman um and they toured i think for a couple of years and so i kind of knew of that band um i'd always been into different genres so i'd always been to, into hip-hop uh i lived in the uk for nine years so i kind of got into like the garage scene there um with uh like artful dodger and like burial and um and there's like kind of some subgenres of like dubstep there but it was a lot different than like what skrillex was but i kind of started getting more into like edm around that that time so this was like the very late 90s early 2000s um and so it was really interesting to see those two worlds collide because i heard then about skrillex and realized it was the front man of from first to last 
and um and i just was really drawn to like scary monsters and nights nice sprites which was kind of his initial breakout hit and i saw a lot of parallels between that and like the intensity of like the metal and like screamo where it was just like yeah. you know usually kind of like wailing choruses um you know almost like high pitched and and then it would kind of go into this like deep breakdown that you just kind of wanted to like punch a wall and you know go crazy and so that was like really interesting to me and i think it was a interesting evolution from like the earlier dubstep which was like a lot slower more like kind of vibey like chill to something a lot more intense i think what was interesting is a lot of that garage kind of like style like sound origin in the uk but had not like been known in the us at all yeah so it was interesting because then skrillex came in the scene and pretty much like took over this like new evolved version of dubstep um to new american audience had not like heard this before and i think it just kind of you know blew people's faces off a little bit um i think a lot of the dubstep purists you know were you know against initially which makes sense um but it was like undeniable that uh you know he was making waves and um he started uh really charting on on billboard and doing a lot of smart collaborations and he started making music with like the doors and like did the project with the diplo with jack U and um you know boys noise and just uh, a mm. lot of really cool things um but what really actually like drew me to skrillex the most was when i saw him play live uh and it was actually randomly uh this was probably in like 2014 or somewhere around there uh i was in vegas at excess um at this club there and I actually didn't even like know he's playing there. I was kind of dragged there at mm-hmm. the time with like a group of friends and he got on stage and I saw a few DJs in Vegas, you know, before uh, and they're all kind of the same. Like it was cool. It would kind of be like, you know, build, 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 drop, you know, everyone goes crazy. Yeah. You would just repeat. And he, he didn't, first of all, he didn't really do that same formula, but second of all, the camera was almost always on him, like on the, the, the board. board. Yeah. And you could see exactly what he, what he was doing. He wasn't just pressing a button and letting it play. You could see the fades. You could see the transitions. You could see him queuing up the next song. And I was just like mesmerized by it. I was just and not only that, he like brought the energy. He would like, you know, jump on stage at the right time and like get the crowd involved. Yeah. And that that was like a really cool experience. And then he also uh, a year later just randomly played a free show here in downtown like L.A., he just like tweeted about it and he's like, I'm going to play in an hour at the LA live deck. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. It's free. Yeah. And he did that a lot, apparently. And to me, that kind of signaled that he's someone that does it for the love of music. Like he could easily have charged like a lot of money for people to go in. But I read that he constantly does these shows. Like even after he does a set, he'll just like find some small club and just like go play, even if it's a tiny crowd, because he just loves playing, giving people that feeling. And that really drew me kind of to him as a person um, as well. And uh, yeah, he just kept on putting out hits. You know, yes, he racked up a lot of Grammys and got a lot of recognition and still does. Um, but I especially love that. Uh, and, I, and I've gotten into Fred again a lot, yeah. uh, especially recently. And so seeing them come together and what they did at Coachella with like Frank dropping out. So cool. Like, come on. It was so yeah. dope to, to witness that and um i don't think i've ever seen and i was there i wasn't there that weekend i watched it live but i remember like sitting as far back as where those pink balls were 
um, I think for like Blackpink or something. And um, and I remember seeing the cameras on the Skrillex Fredigan set, and there's people like way like filled up beyond that. Yeah. Um, so I was like, damn, this is like something special. Um so special. So, so cool. it was it was so just cool seeing him from like this kind of whiny, you know, 16-year-old screamo yeah kid to just like playing like the biggest crowd ever and i'm sure the madison square garden show too i saw like a clip where they like turn all the, the lights yeah. off um, yeah it was like, inc- and, um the crowd super cool wild so and that whole week yeah. that they were in new york was was something else with the pop-up shows and i think skrillex is like a great example not that he's really polarizing because i think no like i don't think a lot of people like dislike skrillex but He's just the beginning. Yeah, he's just like a cool artist. Like he's one of those artists that is whether you like his music, whether you don't, he's just a dope artist to follow. Um, And one of the things that's cool about following artists like Skrillex is seeing kind of their trajectory as an artist as technology develops and they get older and they mature and their sound gets, you know, they want to change their sound. So um, really awesome stuff, man. And I think this conversation was super interesting. Um, I think a lot of people um, have kind of been like trying to, they've been like kind of beating around the bush of like addressing AI in music. They like, I think a lot of people are maybe just like they're shaking it off and they're like, I'm ignoring it. And again, sometimes maybe rightfully so or or whatnot, but it's going to be very interesting, I think, to kind of track it. So as far as like, yourself and your company like where people can find you and like where they can learn more about this type of stuff any like musicians who are learning who are trying to kind of figure out different avenues to use yeah um really cool one last thing before i go into like the the sign i almost like see this also right now as you know we all knew like limewire and like you know kazaa back in the day where it's like peer-to-peer and uh, you know, you could essentially download music for free almost like overnight. Um, everyone thought of that as like the most negative thing ever. And it kind of was and it was, you know, it was like stealing essentially. But it really kind of started the conversation of what's happening now, like isn't working. And we're all moving into like our computers and digital devices. And people are just not going to go in like stores anymore and buy like yeah. CDs for $10. And I think that it took a while because, you know, a lot of labels are like resistant to change. But and now that evolved into streaming that we see now, which isn't still super great, but mm-hmm. it's still like the largest revenue driver for most artists, um, if not also like, you know, marketing to help them sell more tickets and more shows. And overall, it's, you know, the music industry is still pretty healthy, I think, um, you know, that a lot of people have different opinions on that and that's fine. But I think if you are an artist who like loves music and loves creating, it is pretty easy to like, you know, get a dawn on your computer, like create music, put it out there independently go on social media, like push it out. Like we didn't have opportunities like this, like before. So I think either way, depending on where AI goes, it's kind of a similar thing where at first it's um, kind of like the line wire where it's going to come in and it's a new tech. People are, trying to figure it out but i think it's going to involve again if we really band together and you know utilize the the best parts of the tech into something like really great um so yeah in terms of where people can find me find us uh yeah check out omuse.com o-m-m-u-s-e uh we actually just opened up a um essentially like a catalog storage like system Uh, it's completely free you can the first 100 users 
can store up to 100 gigabytes for free, which is like a ton of music. And uh, what we do is we leverage AI in the background to like organize your whole catalog. Um, So you can organize different versions. You can add collaborators. Uh, You can mint those as NFTs if if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, Or you can just store it there. So it's it's cheaper than doing that Google Drive or Dropbox. You kind of have a central location. And it's specifically for musicians, completely free. Um, So yeah, check it out. And for me, yeah, you can find me on like, you know, Instagram at Chris Gertz. Um, if you just want to say hi and say what's up, talk music. Uh, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been yeah, uh, super fun, fun conversation, talking. man. Yeah, I'll definitely link everything uh, in like the show notes and everything. But um, really interesting stuff. I think, again, you know, people who are into music have to have at least kind of be somewhat aware of, of you know, the opportunities that are coming with this. So really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. It was a blast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome, guys. Well, this was Chris Gertz, episode 65 of the XU Podcast. We'll be back next week, and you can find all his stuff in the show notes. See you, Chris. All right. Thanks, guys.